1: And this is Danielle Town. And I'm really glad to be back here at the podcast. Yay. I'm so
0: glad you're back. Yay.
1: Really, really excited to talk about what's going on out there. So, uh, welcome to the Invested Podcast, everybody. If this is something you're new to, here we discuss basically how the best investors in the world manage to get those returns consistently over all sorts of markets depressions, world war, great markets, bad markets, how do they do that? That is exactly what we talk about here, and we think it's replicable. So, all right, let's get to it. What do you think? (laughs) Welcome to the new year, right? Yeah,
0: welcome to the new year. Um, I would say what we do on this podcast is you teach me about deep
1: value investing. This is hopefully true. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I think I try anyway. Yeah, And um, amazingly, you know, if you really want to learn something, the best way to do it is teach it. You know, you have to get ahead of, of, well, I was thinking you have to get ahead of your students, but I've been here in 40 years, so I've got some advantages. But what really happens is Danielle is pretty good at thinking through the argument, right? Uh, Of challenging the premises to the argument. And this is one of the most important things that you can learn to do as an investor, and she's trained as a lawyer, and that's what lawyers do anyway. So it's a it's it's a really natural thing for her to challenge these premises. And this is what you honestly, Danielle, you've got to do that as part of your practice of building what I would call the story around a company. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the great reasons to have. Um, somebody to bounce ideas off of is they may challenge those premises if they're a good investor and they're thinking rationally. Um, they may challenge your premises. And if you if you don't want that or aren't expecting that, you really are putting yourself at a huge disadvantage. You're going to fall into, you know, sort of psychological syndromes that cause you to um, ignore everything that doesn't agree with your thesis. And, uh, and that can really lead you down a terrible path. So, we, we wanna understand the negatives about every company better than the people who are saying don't buy it, right? You gotta understand it better. Yeah. And that's a challenge of the logical premises. So this is a game, just to say something we've said forever here and then we'll get get on with it, and that is that this is a game that is not won by high IQs. This is, this is <laughs> unlike Wall Street, which seems to require the Every smartest time you say people. that, it's just such a like weird thought. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know it. It is it is won by people who are relentlessly careful about buying things they don't understand. Right, they just stay away from stuff they don't understand, and are enormously patient to wait through sometimes years before a company they do understand goes on sale with just the normal fluctuations of the market that are inevitable in a free market. And this is something Ben Graham thought up, you know, in the 1930s and was very successful with it for 25 years. And then he retired taught Warren Buffett and Buffett has been successful with it for the last 50, 60 years and we're successful with it. So it's, it's something you can do. Thank God. It doesn't require super intelligence. It just requires the will, to be patient and the will to learn from the best I think is really what it requires. What do you think? Is that, that fairly accurate? Yeah,
0: I think that's accurate. I think it also requires the will to be, to be rigorous in sticking to your process. Right. And that is something that is very, very hard for every single one of us as humans. We are not very good at that. And It's, I don't know, that's to me as like I've, as I've grown in my investing, as I've learned more and more, that is what I keep coming back to. Refine the process, make the process better, and then actually do it. (laughs) Those are the two important steps. I'm pretty good at refining the process. I'm less good at carrying it out. And I think that's true for most of us.
1: Well, it's, it is the fundamental reason that that Ben Graham said that one of the few things you really must do when you're doing this kind of investing is you must insist on a margin of safety between the value you think the company has and the price you're paying for it for precisely what you're saying. We're human. And, you know, that's just the human yeah, it's a human to, condition to miss a few things, right? Yeah, it's entirely possible. And so, if you miss a few things, and maybe you miss a few major things, and this thing isn't on sale, at least you've bought it with very little downside, right? Like Manesh Prabhai says, you just you you want to buy something where you have potentially a lot of upside. Who knows? but very little downside. You watch the downside that keep your eye on the downside that don't worry about how much you think you're going to make be focused completely on not losing something.
0: Yeah. Agree. Agree. That's the key. Agree.
1: That's hard. It's hard, hard, especially I think in our,
0: in our environment now of so much information. I mean, we've gone from, a time a time the entire uh history of markets when people had severe information deficits and Often lost because of that, they just didn't know what was going on inside of a company. And now, I mean, that still exists to some extent. It is we don't always know exactly what's going on inside of a company, but we have so much information compared to what people used to have.
1: Right.
0: And not just information about a company, but then there's also all the chatter, all the talk on all the different social medias online. Um, I mean, I've been following stuff on Reddit for a while, but there was just an article in the Wall Street Journal about TikTok and Discord and Reddit and all the places where people talk about stocks that they're buying and get a like feeding frenzy going of like, oh, I'm buying Tesla. Are you buying Tesla? Yeah, I'm mm. buying Tesla too. And next mm. thing you know, Tesla's stock price goes up and they go, hey, that guy was right about Tesla. Mm. I better buy mm. Tesla too. And next thing you know, Tesla is... Uh, in the S&P 500 and changing the way people think about car companies. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's nuts slash amazing slash like can't last forever slash maybe it will. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I just find the whole thing to be, I was thinking today when we first started talking about investing and you said something like, um, like all I want is for... No, to normal people typical people non-professionals like all of us right um, to be able to do well with their investments to be able to create a, a a retirement and have a nest egg and and know that you can do that for yourself and I was just thinking today like this might be like your wish <laughs> come true but gone insane like writ large. <laughs> because there are so many people now um, who are buying and selling stocks, who, uh, who are doing it for the fun of it and the day trading of it and the, and the ride. And it's changing the market. It really is. We, we maybe not we, actually, we are more of the uh, long-termers. But in a general sense, we, the non-professionals, are changing the market. So in a way, it's happened.
1: Well, for twenty years, I've been very, very publicly saying that the internet, um, which of course today is you know old news, right? But in in twenty twenty, the internet was just really starting to be a viable.
0: Wait, in twenty twenty? No, no.
1: I'm sorry, <laughs> in in uh, tw- two thousand, the year two thousand, right? Okay. So the year 2000. So I I was actually working in Silicon Valley on a project with um, Steve Jobs' next computer that we've talked about in the past. That was 1988 to 1990 ish, and the internet was just starting. My my team was trying to get me to communicate over this thing called email, where you had to type in this long string of characters, and if you missed one, it just sat there and looked at you. You have no idea why nothing was happening. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then, of course, along came Netscape and started to provide uh, an interface for the internet. And That was the early nineteen nineties. And then, of course, uh, Microsoft came up with with their interface, and then Apple came. I up I remember with its interface.
0: our boxy little Mac computer. And mm-hmm. then I remember when you got, I guess it was a modem at the time. You brought home this modem, and it made the <laughs> ding ding ding. Oh. ding ding, 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 like that, like, horrible <laughs> screeching noise with the dots. And right, trying to it was connect so to the weird and so exciting. It was oh, yeah. amazing.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it was just so amazing. And um, so, you know, by the year 2000, things had really developed. And I started talking about the Internet then. And in a way, I, I feel like I, I may have contributed a little bit to this craziness on, you know, on Robin, what is it, Robin Hood or something?
0: Robin Hood's an yeah. app, yeah.
1: I mean, my God, that place is crazy with people trading. Um, but what I said basically was this, and it's true, and that is that 500 years ago, uh, people were liberated by the invention of the printing press, and it created a tool for learning and things that you otherwise were not privy to. You, you couldn't get the information and that ability to read was jealously protected by the aristocracy and the Brahmins of the time um, and they fought against you know the, del- the delivery of this skill set because they feared that the people would perhaps rebel and that's exactly what happened and, you know, over a hundred 200 years democracy started to happen because people could be informed and today the internet, has created the same kind of literacy possibility in the financial world. It's done obviously a lot of other things as well, but in the financial world, it makes financial literacy possible for the little guy. You Mm -hmm. can get information for no cost, Mm -hmm. endless amounts of it on any company out there.
0: Faster and faster and better and better. Every, I was going to say every year, but every month it seems like there's something new. That's a cool tool. Yep.
1: And in a, in a kind of way it, it, of course, it a bit creates a monster, right? I mean, there's yeah. there's uh, so many people who, as you say, are buying companies because they're going to go up. This is the most famous method that the vast majority of fund managers implement to decide what to buy. And that is they look at what's going up and buy that.
0: But These are just, these are people like me. These are people exactly. and they're like, you know, 14 year olds and they're like exactly. 69 year olds who are like, what's going up? You know, it's right. not, it's yes, fund managers, but non-professionals
1: as well. Oh, a hundred percent for sure. I mean, more and more people are managing at least some of their own money and doing it like they're friends, you know, and that's, yeah. this is what happens. It it's not unusual anymore. Like it's, no.
0: it's, it's actually kind of unusual not to be doing it,
1: I would yeah. say. That's that's an indication. Actually, it's one of the indicators of a market top, right? Is that when you're talking to your taxi driver and he's giving you stock tips. Right, you're about to have a market crash. That's an old rule. Maybe things will be sustained for a while here because we have such low interest rates and, and there's no yield anywhere else. But in general, that's that's the beginning of of the end. And in fact, you know, in my view, there's a couple of really fundamental tools that are out there screaming at us that we're way 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 over the edge and and there's going to be a response ultimately in the market um, the first one is is what's called the buffett indicator which is the wilshire gdp ratio and you can look it up by by googling fred fred which is the federal reserve in st louis fred wilshire gdp and this chart will come up and it'll show you that they're historical relationship between the stock market and at the the total price of the stock market which is the wilshire index and gdp which is the revenue of the entire country usa there's a relationship between those things that's historically reasonable and it's you know fully priced when gdp and the stock market are priced about the same thing one-to-one ratio Mm -hmm. it's on sale when you know it's down at 60 percent This, by the
0: way, is Buffett's favorite uh, method of looking at the market overall.
1: Yep, And, you know, as Buffett said, you're playing with fire when the Wilshire is priced much higher than GDP. And today it's priced higher than I've ever seen it. It's higher than it's been in 60 years. I, I don't have data before that. 1970, so I guess 50 years. But it's at 200% of GDP, which means something kind of important. I mean, like the S&P 500 has a 40 PE ratio right now, which means that if you buy the whole market on an exchange traded fund like SPX, your yield today is 2.5%. That's like buying real estate at a 2.5 cap rate and thinking you're going to do okay, when right now you can go out and buy triple A quality real estate at a five or six PE to two and a half times more yield than the stock market right now for a much less volatile type investment. So that's a huge, huge, big red flag out there right now. Um, the you're seeing a
0: red flag for stocks.
1: For stocks, right? For stocks. I mean, real estate. A red flag
0: cheap. in the sense that you're seeing the stock market overall continue to be overpriced.
1: And going higher and higher and higher, yeah. And the so in P/E ratio,
0: no change.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we're on the same. We're singing the same song, but yeah. singing it at a higher pitch. <laughs> it's really high
0: now. It's it's really really high.
1: Yeah, and I'm and I'm I'm I don't have a crystal ball, you know. Nobody does. Um, but economic storms come along. They do. They they just come along. There's some straw that breaks the camel's back and all of a sudden these in really insane levels of of p-e ratios that are only occurred a few times in history in the last 140 years i mean literally the the cyclically adjusted p-e ratio for the stock market right now at 34 has only been there twice before once in 1999 and once in ni- in
0: 1929 sorry wait. so you just said some words, yes. the cyclically <laughs> adjusted. Did you, did you mean PE ratio?
1: Yeah. Cyclically adjusted PE ratio, the Schiller PE,
0: the Schiller PE. So this is the price to earnings ratio that Robert Schiller, who's a professor, a Nobel prize winner, um, has created so that it's not just today's price to earnings ratio, but actually brings in, I think it's the last 10 years, right?
1: Of- last 10 years plus inflation. Plus inflation. Okay. And, uh, and um, Because if you it, Google
0: PE right now of the S and P 500, it's about 40, 41. So the, um, the Schiller PE you're saying is what? 36,
1: 34,
0: 34.
1: Yep. And that is stunning. I mean, the average over the last 140 years is 16. In other words, if the market was priced where it's average is, um, the S&P 500 would be half of what it is right now, which is sort of breathtaking if you think about it. In other words, a, a, a normal correction down to a normal pricing would cut the market in half, but that isn't usually what happens. When When the market starts to really crater, it tends to go down much lower than the average, right? People get afraid. Mm-hmm. It's not impossible now with the Federal Reserve having few tools left that if the market starts to fall, their response could be, do what? You know, what will you do? Will you continue to devalue the dollar? Will you, you put interest rates at negative rates? I mean, what, what are you guys going to do? They, they just don't have a lot of ammo left. And um, if the market starts going and does its normal thing when it crashes, it'll go down into a single digit PE, which means something like 60 to 70% below where it is right now for a short mm-hmm. time. Mm -hmm. So that's some scary stuff when you're looking out there historically. And I just keep thinking, you know, that, you know, history doesn't repeat itself. So this could be completely different and things could just go on differently. And, you know, it's the new normal or whatever. But I like, you know, what Mark Twain says. Yeah, it doesn't repeat itself, but it does rhyme. Mm -hmm. So pay attention. I mean, our method of investing following Ben Graham and Warren Buffett is anchored in in a strong Pragmatic belief that the market fluctuates, that it will not continue to just go up and up and up and up and up, that there are limits. And I would argue that Warren Buffett sitting on $150 billion of cash right now is a pretty good indicator that at least the best investor in the world thinks we're near those limits.
0: I actually pulled out my book of Berkshire Hathaway shareholder letters today Mm
1: -hmm.
0: because i just kind of felt like i needed a little moment with the bible a little like (laughs) (laughs) touchstone of (laughs) i don't know the uh check maybe yeah and just like to look back and think like here's somebody who's been through it all and unfortunately the book only starts in uh i think in 65 but then i found his other I had them somewhere. His other letters, his partnership letters, letters, the earlier letters. Those are cool. Because these are the Berkshire Hathaway letters, which started as a textile company. So it wasn't actually his like vaunted Buffett letters for quite a few years. And I just started it. I just pulled it out today, but it felt good to like go back and say, there's so much chaos right now in so (laughs) many ways. (laughs) We have been in chaos for almost a year as a world, as a globe with this pandemic. And I just feel like we need some grounding or at least I did today. So, um, yeah, so that felt really nice. It felt nice to read them again. I hadn't read them. I hadn't read those beginning ones since I started learning investing and I decided I was going to do my like Buffett reading time where I read a couple letters every day. And it was just, it was just kind of nice to go back to the beginning, go back to basics. And, uh, you know, if anybody wants to do that with me, I welcome you. It's, <laughs> it's a nice thing. I think I'm going to write a little bit about it. And it, it sort of felt like there's just so much going on. And this is something where I can see, like, what has he done in the past? What you, what has he said about inflation in the past? What has he mm-hmm. said about a lot of uncertainty as we were saying a few episodes ago, um, that there was this period of time where the market in the U S just bopped around. It didn't really go up, didn't really go down. It was kind of a sideways market. And so I'm curious when I, uh, do my review, I guess you could say, you know, what, if he comments on that, what he says about that. So yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm kind of feeling like I need some of that like guru
1: right now. I I really like uh, you to characterize Buffett's letters as the Bible. I think, I think they are in that same sense uh, that, you know, Christianity looks at that as a kind of a, a, not kind of a, a, the fundamental document where it's all laid out. The dogma is laid out there um, and you, you just go through those letters. I mean, it is so worth it, you guys, to, to get those online and just start reading them you will get such an education. I mean, I can't even begin to describe how much that's influenced my investing in the last 40 years. It's just un- unbelievable, you know? Yeah. And uh, like I said, if, if you ever wanna really learn something, try to just go teach it and you'll you'll dig deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And the beauty of what I've discovered uh, about this kind of investing, you know, the, the, the rest, the whole, we call it rule one investing, to focus on not losing money, that's rule one but the rest of the world calls this value investing and warren buffett says all good investing is value investing right <laughs> investing is the, the the essence of investing is to buy an asset that's going to be much more valuable in the future and to buy it with a margin of safety so that you you don't lose money um and don't have a lot, you know and don't have that that asset go down even as things move around in the in the market
0: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's yeah, another yeah. thing that we were just talking about before we started about kind of this feeling of chaos and uh. and uh, and what we as we as investors can do about it. From not just from the perspective of like reading the words of the guru, but actually moving our money around. And you told me about this. Uh, speech that Le- Lee Lee gave, and uh, and so we were thinking everybody will tell you where it is, and then next time we'll talk about the speech.
1: Yeah, do a little homework here. Well, if you, you want, don't
0: have to. Don't it's have fine. To. We'll recap it.
1: But I, I but I, I know say, you
0: guys like it when we give you a little heads up on what we're going to do because we don't do it that often. <laughs> yep,
1: and I I will say you guys that this is as fundamental an analysis of investing as the the Berkshire letters can be. Leloo, if you don't know him, is uh, one of the best investors in the world. I think he's been compounding money for over 25 years at ballpark 30% a year. I mean, he's a phenomenal investor. And um, the only guy Mo- Charlie Munger's ever given money to. <laughs> <laughs> Munger's got, I think, a few hundred million over with Lee Lou. um So yeah, take a look at, at this. Do you have the address there or do you want me to grab it?
0: Yeah, no, I have it. Okay. So this is on Li Lu's um, fund's website, and his fund is called Himalaya Capital. So if you just put Himalayan Capital into your search, it'll come up, or it's himalayacapital.com, easy to remember. And then go to publications. And then right at the top, there's a section called Li Lu's Essays, Interviews, and Speeches. And it's the second one down, and it's called The Prospect of Value Investing in China which I admit I would not have maybe clicked on right away, but <laughs> Dad, tell, tell me why you uh, you picked this one out in
1: particular. Well, in particular, it was a speech that he gave to Peking University, and that is the correct pronunciation, in Beijing, which is also the correct pronunciation. I was like, what, did they misspell this or something? But no, it's actually called Peking University in 2015, but it's been sitting on his website in Chinese for, <laughs> for a long time. And they translated it. So I got a chance to read it. And um, it is just phenomenal. I mean, I'm not going to give you any more than that. Just trust me, if you're willing to read this thing, you will get a huge education and we'll talk about it next week. At it's our...
0: about 30 pages. I haven't read it yet. I'm going to read it this week. and
1: We're going to we'll... talk about it on our 300th podcast anniversary. Yeah. Next week,
0: three hundred episodes. Next week, yep. crazy.
1: And we want to we want to generate some questions, you guys. What would you What would you like to know about? Um, is there something you'd like us to do on on the podcast that we're not doing? Um, and if we agree with you, we might we might do something. So where you can put the questions, we have cleverly hidden the question uh, link on our website. So what you do is go to investedpodcast.com, which won't take you to the (laughs) investedpodcast.com. So clever. (laughs) It takes you to rule1investing.com, but to the podcast page. And then if you look at the page that comes up, there's nothing there to ask a question. You can't. So you have to scroll down all the way to the bottom of it, and cleverly at the bottom... Send a voice message to Phil and Danielle Town and you <laughs> click on that and, and there it goes. And some of you've actually found this. And Yeah, we've I been think,
0: playing the questions every now and then. Yeah. They're fantastic questions, the ones we've gotten. Um we know we've gotten some from you guys that we haven't answered or played, so don't worry, we're not ignorant of it. And, but and um, we've made it
1: really hard on purpose because we really don't want questions. No, I'm
0: that's true. <laughs> we t- but because we're having our 300th episode and because of no reason other than arbitrary numbers are fun, we've decided to talk about Leeloo's, um speech, which will be cool, and also maybe have a little prize or a little contest. We are going to be talking about that next episode. So yep. check it out. 2021. We're both back. It's all exciting. Um, the other thing I want to do this year, Dad, is finish up our checklist discussion yeah. because I was loving it. I know that you got bored because you were the one explaining the checklist, but I took so many notes and have been super interested to make my checklist better. And I loved it. So I don't even care if anybody else liked it, I don't care if you were bored. I loved it and I think that we should finish it because I don't like leaving things like that unfinished. And I'm curious what else
1: you've got. Well, okay. I'm I'm totally up for for it. I've gotten a rest. Please finish
0: the checklist.
1: We'll do the checklist. We'll finish the checklist and Okay. I mean we've you gotta you gotta have something that helps you with your practice and keeps you rational. And and exactly just, just like what happens in an airplane if things start to go wrong is you go to the checklist to keep yourself rational in an emotional time. And believe me, investing is very emotional, especially right now when all your friends are buying Tesla and it's going up $1,000 a day. It's just like, oh, I need to be doing something different. I need to buy Bitcoin. It goes up $10,000 a day.
0: Oh my God, my own personal right? hell, dad, right now is... <laughs> consistently lululemon it just tortures me uh, and do you know what they did they bought mirror that uh that exercise i don't even know how to, it's like a mirror that you exercise in and it's a video mirror oh, and that. you know what i'm talking about i haven't actually seen it in action so it's hard for me to describe but i get it and so lululemon bought that so they are making waves. I'm sorry. This is just like something that annoys me in the back of my mind beyond belief, like an itch that I can't scratch.
1: Because why?
0: Because I was there when it was a low price, yes. when they were just their own little tiny little retailer that yes. frankly, I'm sorry, but like old men investors like you didn't understand Yes. and I could have had it and I just wasn't ready to buy something that wasn't like a complete obvious slam dunk and it wasn't a complete obvious slam dunk. And so I didn't buy it. And I know that we had a whole conversation about how that was the right decision, but it still makes me insane.
1: The end. I just want to tell you, all of you, that this is the kind of things we agonize about in rule one investing. Other investors agonize about the things they bought and went straight down. Okay, (laughs) rule one investors don't make that kind of mistake very often. So we have to agonize about the things we didn't buy that went straight up. Yeah. And it's quite funny really is how upside down that is for most people. It's just happens all the time. I've got a whole history of that kind of stuff about my errors of omission, Yeah, which, you know, had I bought the things I would be so much richer, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And yet, (laughs) uh, I've done well. So you know, one investor who shall
0: not be named said to me at some point in the last year, when everything was crazy, "If only I'd just bought Amazon and Apple, everything would have been fine."
1: Everything would have been fine. I'm like, I'd be retired.
0: No kidding, like that. Yes.
1: (laughs) How obvious, right? In hindsight. On hindsight, and and here you have Warren Buffett. I've got him on tape sort of in his own way, agonizing about not buying Amazon and then explaining why he couldn't, he was introduced to Jeff Bezos by Bill Gates and recognized that Bezos was a genius. But in our style of investing, which has been a, a practice for Warren Buffett for at that time, probably 40 years of discipline, there's discipline here of of not pulling the trigger when rule one could be violated and you could lose money. And, and it is it, agonizing. It really is to watch something go right to the moon. And Warren said it, I think in one of the last couple of meetings, he just said, yeah, we just, we just missed that one. And just, we just missed it. We just couldn't see the difference between what Bezos was doing and what 10 other companies were doing. We couldn't pick a winner that was clearly going to win, which means we didn't know where it would be in 10 years. And if we don't know where a thing is going to be in 10 years and we buy it, we're not investing anymore. Uh,
0: And the important part of that is that different people will come to different conclusions. Different smart people Mm -hmm. will come to different conclusions about given companies. And, and what's important is to know, yourself that you're comfortable with what you're buying and not buying. Yep. And I mean, like I remember at some point we had a conversation because Buffett famously didn't buy tech companies back when, when I, now I can say things like back when I started <laughs> <laughs> That's 300 <right>. episodes ago, <laughs> That's right.
1: five years ago or something,
0: five years ago, um, oh,
1: coming up on six years ago, i 300 is six years of stuff no way yeah 50 a year
0: we started in 2015.
1: yeah here we are so it's five years right
0: yeah okay. well no
1: 15 16 17 18 19 20.
0: yeah yeah six years um <laughs> well five years of time though
1: no right
0: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, no. whatever. Um,
1: <laughs> hey, we're in 2021. Subtract 2015 from 2021.
0: No, but six. we just started 2021. So my point is, it's, we're not in December 2021. We're in January, so we haven't we haven't lived the sixth year.
1: At the end of December 2021, we will have lived our seventh year. <laughs> <laughs> go go go! Count the months okay. from the time we started.
0: 2015 to 20. Okay, we started in May 2015.
1: Okay. So, so let's just say, just for fun, it's May. Although no, maybe we started
0: in June. Okay, let's say June, June twenty fifteen oh. to June twenty sixteen, June twenty sixteen to June twenty seventeen, June twenty seventeen to June twenty
1: eighteen. You realize June people are turning this podcast off all over June the world. Twenty eighteen to June
0: twenty nineteen. Deal with it. June twenty nineteen to June twenty twenty. Oh my God, you're right. Oh no!
1: Almost six years. Almost six years. Jeez. I know. I know, never would I have crazy? said I could
0: have talked to you for six years about investing for 45 <laughs> about minutes. anything
1: at all, much less this. Oh well, if gosh. we were
0: allowed to change subjects, I could manage it. But never would I have thought <laughs> one yeah. subject.
1: We have, been, we have been unpeeling this onion now for six years, and we're not getting tired of it. And it's not unpeeled, which it should give you an idea somewhat about, you know, all the way back at the very beginning when Charlie said, yeah, it's really simple. And what would you talk about the rest of the semester?
0: Oh, you know what we should do for our 300th episode is play that clip again. That's a good idea. After we played it for like every episode for like 50 episodes or something.
1: Yeah, Yeah. I'm going to write that
0: down. Play Charlie episodes so that I remember.
1: And I mean, it's just been so interesting the last few years because the market has been massively irrational as the Federal Reserve continues to lower interest rates and lock them down. And this irrationality is irrational long term. It's not irrational short term, and we all know the difference. The market is short term. That's how it thinks. And so, those of us who are long term can suffer. Really, it may, it's it's suffering because it's just so hard to find something on sale. And not that we don't. Yeah. We do find things on sale, but it's you got to work at it. You know. So uh, yeah, let's go to let's go dive into that next week, and. Uh,
0: so we're diving into the Lelu speech next week. Mm-hmm. We are going to play Charlie just for fun. Mm-hmm. We're going to eventually talk about the checklists again.
1: Yay. Mm-hmm.
0: And what I would like to do this year, although we'll see if we do it. <laughs> what I would like to do is talk more about, like, go through an individual company from start to end.
1: Let's, let's do this. Let's go through individual companies from start to end that some of our students, some of our podcast listeners have bought at start. And what happened should be, in other words, it's not just hypothetical, it's real. Somebody put serious money, not, not money they can afford to lose, but real money into a company, a specific company, a specific time. Let's, let's dissect some of those. Okay. Some of those are really interesting
0: sure yeah okay great i mean cool. the reason we haven't done it that much is because it takes preparation like you and i have to actually do homework and yeah be prepared which we're not great at but
1: i've, we got, can do I've it. got some i looked at while our students were looking at
0: <laughs> oh <them>. cheater
1: okay <laughs> and i and i passed on several of them and my gosh the student was right in this market and they've done you know doubled their money in eight months Stuff I mean, like there, but
0: there, like that's the exactly what we were just saying, right? Yeah. Each person has to be cool with it themselves.
1: And they, yeah, if they're in, and then what, slowly what kid,
0: torture yourself to death for the rest of your life
1: for the ones that you didn't buy. Trigger, right? yeah, yeah. So let's do that. I mean, we can show you kind of why these students were better prepared to buy these things than than I was, right? That's kind of the key. So let's let's do that. That'll be fun this year. We'll do several yeah, of those. Many ideas. And then for... you guys shoot your questions in. They're on, you know, go to the Invested Podcast and that'll take you down to the question page and then you just scroll to the bottom and there's a place to, to leave us a question. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Till then. All right. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Time Bye. To go play. See ya. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes, visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there. Spots are definitely limited for this event. I'm not kidding, they really are. They sell out very quickly. So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion. And really important, it's not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that, you're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only and I really hope you enjoyed it.